Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Gotham City. I'm your host, Levi Rosman. This is a podcast where I talk to people who live in the chess world on the 64 squares and also beyond them. And in this episode, I'm speaking with the number one chess player from Sweden. His name is Nils Grandelius. He's a very strong grandmaster, uh, was very, very close to 2700 and is obviously actively trying to get back there. He's competing in many, many top events. And we talk all things chess, everything from the streamer boom to Nils uh, Rui Lopez course, uh, and what it's like to make a living as a near 2700 rated GM and everything in between. I hope you enjoy. I have a, f a fun line of questioning uh, for you about all things chess. Um, and uh, the first of which, I, this is actually news to me because this whole concept of uh, the team member for the world champion, etc., etc. This this only became like very popular to get out to the public, I think, in, in, in recent years in such a massive push. So I only recently knew that you helped Magnus in 2018. Um, and then when you just got on the call, you also said 2016. So I'm very embarrassed. I, I didn't even know that. Um, so can you just take me a little bit through through that? How, how does that happen? Like, do, do they just send you a note like in Harry Potter? They just like the owl and they summon you? Yeah, it's it's pretty similar to that, actually. Like, I, I mean, I'm not too much into the process of uh, how they are deciding. But from let's say my point of view, at some point I was asked if I wanted to come for one of the one of the training camps, uh, and and work with them for a while and see what happens. Uh, and I think I don't know if it's the same for the other players, but I would assume so that you come for let's say I mean then uh, fairly long in advance you know, for the match, maybe half a year in advance or something like that, and you are there maybe one week or two weeks, uh, and then they are trying out some different people. And only the people that they like, they will sort of continue to uh, to work closer to the match and also during the match. So we were quite quite a lot of people at the beginning. So I guess if if I had done worse there, I would uh, I would simply not be invited back. <laughs> but 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 okay. I mean that sounds that sounds very interesting. It sounds a little bit like the Hunger Games. Um, but but what do you mean? It's like tryouts. But in terms of what? In terms of what sort of original material you're bringing like to the table? Opening uh, there, ideas. There are or... many many factors uh, well first you need yeah some some ideas is always useful mm -hmm. but it's not that important because we are a team of four or five people at least uh, and you know that there will be a lot of ideas floating around in any case so right i mean for basically at least half the team it's more about you know sorting out which ideas work which don't i mean you simply just have to do the work and yeah? not so much uh but apart from that it's also i think socially is incredibly important uh, like we are working so many hours every day and for so many days that okay if if it's some guy you can't stand I mean the whole work will get affected so also to get sort of a feeling of how we get along and uh, I think that's a very especially in Team Magnus it's it's a very high uh, highly rewarded right thing. it's it's also really high stakes yeah so I guess if you're you you really should gel well um, and it's a very unique situation. Um... Exactly. So there is some sort of balance in between. I'm fairly sure that like from a purely theoretical sense, you could probably find stronger people than the people Magnus has in, in his team. But like, the group works very well together. And uh, I mean, uh, that also produces results for sure. Yeah, I think it was, I don't know if it was Dubov recently who said that was a strong narrative in this clip that they released of the, of the most recent team, that Russia, it's just an arms race. You just get absolutely all the strongest guys, even if there's some not friendliest relations or they don't know each other that well but it, it seems like if you go into it with a team that just knows each other very well uh then uh 
and they fit all the right slots, then you can have success. It also helps if the guy leading the team is maybe the greatest player ever. That probably... <laughs> of course, it increases, you know, like chances of success if he's the strongest player. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, what they had, for instance, I don't know if you heard, I wasn't following the sort of rumors too much, but for instance, that Kayakin was there, then he was back in Moscow, then suddenly he came back and uh, uh, this kind of stuff. Yeah? Like... It yeah. wouldn't happen in, in Magnus team. It's simply not possible. Like you are there, you are there for the whole duration. You do your utmost. I mean, you're not flying suddenly somewhere else to do something else in the middle of like no chance. Yes. It's simply like, it's so different. Yeah. It's completely a completely different world to read about that stuff. Yeah, that was fascinating. And, and, and the thing is that, so because of the way the chess boom has sort of happened, I don't like not the not the like the strongest players don't have the largest social media following so you don't even like the, the public doesn't get to, to to see this but i see it i mean because i, I like i follow all these guys uh, and um yeah if we don't retweet them or we don't kind of push it out it's it's sort of interesting that a very small amount of people in the chess world who maybe have been here before queen's gambit or the online boom or whatever they didn't even see that yeah karyakin posted a, a instagram post which in Russian said, like, well, you understand, with a winky face. And it was in an airport. So people first thought that he was leaving Dubai. He was going back to Russia saying, oh, the match is over. Oh, Jan is screwed. I'm just leaving. And so they didn't realize that there's snow on the ground in the airport. So he's in <laughs> Russia going back to Dubai. And I, but even that, like you just said, that's so weird. Like, why is he yeah, going yeah. back and forth? <laughs> I mean, if you want to help the guy, you are there for him the whole time. Yeah. Did you um? Did when you were part of the team? So I had Jordan Van Forest on, who obviously was part of this most recent one, uh, and he said, for the duration of the match, they were not even there. They weren't in the same city. They were on a slightly shifted time zone so that they could like do the prep. Was it the same strategy? Yeah, it was the same strategy. Like basically, we want to work daytime. Yeah, so uh, we are like six, seven hours uh, east of the match. Let's say. That's so, so which was very interesting or very very easy when they were playing in New York yeah, in 16. Oh, because you just because went then to we Europe? could just stay at home. Yeah, it was basically oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like. Uh, but uh, yeah, last time we were in Thailand actually, like in 2018. Ah, I don't know exactly. And this year, and this year, and this out. year as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I mean also of course, like in 16 we were in Norway. I don't know if you've been to Norway in November. No, but does that you mean can it's probably cold? Probably imagine, yeah. It's, it's, it's cold, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sun goes down at three o'clock. It's minus snow the whole duration. Complete. I mean, to be in Thailand next to the sea instead is, of course, much nicer. But uh, no, the main, by far the most important factor is to be able to work during the day. That's yeah, like the thing. That's what um, I was I was curious if that's what happened as well. Yeah, the, the match in New York uh, makes sense. You can just, like you said, you can just be in Europe. I haven't I haven't had a chance to travel to Norway, the closest I've come is uh, in, in 2019, I, I was in Europe and I played in Pardubica, I played in the Czech Open, uh, but I got a stomach infection and I, my, our planned trip to five European cities was was canceled. Well, my friend went, I went home I, uh, oof, and lost, right I lost 15 pounds. So I will come back one day. Um, <laughs> you should, you should. And uh, yeah, cause I know like, I mean, I, I've seen you've like played like Prague Masters. I hear Prague is one of the best cities, but uh, That's yeah. That's true. The, the the cold weather is uh, is killing me. And I know that Sweden has the Rilton Cup, right? That's the strong tournament at the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, which unfortunately I think was cancelled yesterday. Oh. Announced. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so sad. 
That's um, a bit sad, yeah. Is is it is the situation bad there as well, or is it like just preemptive? Like in New York, it's really bad right now. No, it's it's bad. Uh, in Sweden, it's they are a little bit behind, so it's not as bad. But it's like the trend is very very bad. So that actually reminds me, I didn't put this on my list, and this is maybe a mildly controversial subject. But I, the news. So you guys in Sweden, to 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 us in the United States, you guys were being reported as the the most interesting COVID response. <laughs> okay, first, well, just one thing that we probably should note. Uh, I live in Copenhagen. I haven't okay. actually lived in, Swe- I, in Sweden. I live in, with my girlfriend in Copenhagen since four or five years. So uh, you cannot, uh, you're not the government of Sweden. I shouldn't be, you know. <laughs> no, 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 not like that. But, but yes, it was, uh, especially in the beginning, like let's say early 2020, then it was quite a big difference. Uh, but I mean, that was for a few months. And I think last, let's say, a year or a bit more. 15, 16 months, they have been very similar to the rest of Europe in, in their uh, handling. Mm, okay. now, it's basically yeah, almost the same as in uh, in Denmark, for instance. Because so, in, in, in the US, the trend is basically like if you if if the if the news can find something even remotely controversial and interesting, they will report it. So I, I definitely heard of like, oh, Sweden. No, but been... it definitely was very um, controversial. Like, uh, mm, I mean, mm. for instance, there in spring in 2020, like my friends in Sweden. Yep. I mean, they would be in, like in, in the pub uh, or whatever, yeah, meeting up, living a more or less completely normal life. And me, like, because there is a bridge, yeah, so it's like 20 minutes away, Copenhagen, from Malmö, where I used to live. Mm. So, like, these 20 minutes on the other side of the bridge were a complete lockdown, yeah? You couldn't do anything. <laughs> wow. So it was like in that, for, for a few months there, it was really like a huge, huge difference. And, but did it explode in cases or was it kind of you know no it's somewhere in between yeah like they had more cases they had more deaths but also it was not a complete disaster so i think the uh, it's still an open question what was sort of the more reasonable thing to do uh i'm uh i'm i'm looking at google maps to see this bridge i i i really i think my goal (laughs) in life is to settle down somewhere in europe because it seems like within a, a you know within just a few hours you can be anywhere Depending yeah, yeah, distances are very, very small. It's very nice. Yeah, if I live in Copenhagen, then I used to live in Malmo. Yeah, I you see. can see how how close it is. Yeah, and there's a bridge. So, my my thumbnail designer uh, for my YouTube channel grew up in uh, Moldova. So he's I think Romanian, but grew up in Moldova. Uh, and now he he is in university in in the Netherlands. But it turns out he lives on the border of Germany. So he lives in Germany, but he just commutes into the Netherlands and back. And I was like, dude, isn't that I mean? isn't that like a problem? Isn't it taking you extra time? He's like, dude, if you have EU passport, you get anywhere. Like it's, yeah, yeah. is it true? It's just that simple. I mean, uh, yeah, especially before the pandemic, it's true. It was true. Now it's a little bit more complex because countries still have different rules from time to time. Um, yeah, because uh, here, even the US and Canada, as friendly as our relations are, it'll take you three hours to cross the border in a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's say without the pandemic or without, uh, like, uh, like in the normal in the normal case, it would be no issue at all. Like, no, not even any any control. It would just go straight through. Uh huh. No, but here, co- pandemic, no pandemic. <laughs> it's, it doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah no, yeah, for yeah. us, it makes some difference. Now, during the pandemic, it's also yeah. quite efficient still in most places. But without pandemic, it's basically like the same country if you're in 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 the EU. So, is Denmark the happiest country on earth? I don't know if you know that it's reported as the ha- it has the happiest, co- or is it the most uh, antidepressant reliant country on earth? I've also heard that. 
Uh, I th think in general it's the happiest, or they're at least way up there always. So people are just and, friendly. Uh, like what what constitutes that? Like good standard of living, good good wage. Or... Yeah, good standard of living. I think like very very few, for instance, poor people, very few people like suffering. Like, I mean, the healthcare system works quite well. So on. Like in, in general, yeah, the the safety net for every individual is quite quite big. Like if everything goes against you, you still can sort of rely on. If nothing else, then at least the state is always possible to rely on in, in our country. So, uh, uh, yeah, not here. Definitely not here. No. Yeah, no. In that <laughs> sense, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit different. Yeah, it's uh, the state is a bit bigger than the US, or quite a bit bigger actually. Uh, yeah, Copenhagen is an extremely popular uh, study abroad destination for people who are over here. I think I remember like yeah, looking you at know, it. Yeah. No, it, it, they have. It's it's a very nice city, actually, Copenhagen. Yeah, it's it's beautiful and so on. Of course, if you study as a sort of Scandinavian here, you get paid to study, which is also quite nice. Yeah. What? What does that mean? No, you get uh, you get some money each uh, each month, or like like a salary, basically, just to study. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you, see, you know how much college costs here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. That's why I mentioned it. <laughs> no, of course, we also pay much higher taxes. Yeah, like the taxes, uh, they are really, really high. So like like fifty percent. Yeah, well, or uh, around 40, I think. We pay like, more taxes here. <laughs> it's a bit more. It depends what you earn also, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's so, but I think all those things, yeah, that sort of, uh, you have quite a lot of freedom to explore things and try out whatever you want, because if it doesn't work out, you still uh, sort of uh, have something to fall back on. That's, uh, this is a very depressing conversation. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, uh, wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, I I, uh, I also um, I, I almost went to Denmark uh, to play uh, what's it called um, it extra be, extra con yeah but it used to be called Politiken right yeah Politiken Cup yeah yeah it used to be yeah. yeah 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 it's so far I'm like looking at the map it's at the northernmost point and then there's another very close boat ride to Sweden it's, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> no like that's also very nice yeah this Hel tournament Helsingor and Helsingborg yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah. Helsingor. <laughs> Uh, this so, is uh, the Hamlet town, if you know Shakespeare. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's yes. what I, that, yeah. When, when I was looking exactly. up, like, whether to play, I remember. The, the thing it's famous for is Hamlet by far, so <laughs> the most important. Yes. But yeah, no, chess-wise, uh, it's, of course, a little bit different because as a chess professional like me or like anyone who plays only chess, mm -hmm. uh, of course, you work internationally. Like, you work very little in the country you actually live in, which means that right. the country, mm -hmm. like, it would in some sense, uh, you know, be a bit uh, more uh, financially smart to live in a cheaper country, maybe a country with lower taxes, uh, because anyway, you would earn the same. Yeah, But exactly. of course, Denmark yeah. is much, much more expensive, but also salaries in, are in general much higher. <laughs> but well, salaries are not higher for me because I anyway earn the same. So in that sense, it's a little bit uh, uh, <laughs> stupid or whatever you want to call it. But I mean, on the other hand, as you say, it's one of the happiest countries. So I'm very happy with where I live. But uh, I think, no, I, I meant it rather as a point to highlight, like, for instance, uh, the fact that there are quite few professional players in Scandinavia in general, mm -hmm. whereas in Eastern Europe, there are more professionals. And that has quite, uh, quite a bit uh, to do with, uh, with this point, I think, that uh, simply the cost of living is, is too high for an average grandmaster salary in in Scandinavia. Yeah, one of uh, 
my plan was actually to to ask you a, a bunch of things about that without getting into obviously any crazy like personal details but as far as i understand like the the life of someone like yourself at least maybe before pandemic and even even hopefully as it starts to fade like if you're a professional chess player uh your salary is the tournaments that you win right and that I don't. I don't know if it, beyond that. I mean, what is it? Some sponsorships and some courses, right? That's what I would imagine. Yes, but uh, yeah, exactly. Like so, during the pandemic, it's of course quite a bit different because there are fewer tournaments, so you have more time to do other things. So, I did some coaching a bit more than I used to, and also this course, for instance, for for chessable, mm -hmm. uh, which is now uh, a part of my my income as well. Uh, but otherwise, in general, and also sort of what I. Uh, what I aspire is is to to play, of course. That's the main. Uh, like in 2018, 19, that was maybe I don't know, 80% of my income or something like that. Just because, but also in Europe you have all these leagues, which also helps, because the system in chess is that you have one club per country is allowed. Okay. So I play in the Bundesliga in Germany. I play Czech league. I play Polish league. Play Danish league, Swedish league. I mean French league, Spanish league. And that is also wow. like, you know. <laughs> oh, that's that's interesting. So yeah, the concept of these leagues is is weird uh, to me. Like I, I understand uh, and I've Not seen to it. Me too. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I've seen it like when I go to look at tournaments. I mean, I'm just bored one day. I'll go and I'll look at, you know, one of these. Okay, what's going on in the world? There's no major events. Oh, there's this Slovak extra Liga. And yeah. you have to click through the teams to find the players. It doesn't even show the pairings. But there's they're stacked, right? They have like really strong fields sometimes. Um, yeah. So yeah, w what is that like playing the leagues, and and how does that work? I mean, are you paid per game? Are you paid? Yeah. In generally speaking, you're paid per game. Uh, Interesting. And, and then there is uh, there are two uh, two sorts of leagues basically. Are basically one where you play in the weekends, so you play typically Saturday Sunday two games. And then you play Saturday, Sunday. Like maybe if it's 10 teams, you play five weekends a year or four weekends a year. Bundesliga is 16, so you play like seven weekends. But uh -huh. then you have also have the other leagues where it's all played at once. For, in, for instance, like in France, they have something called top 12. So then you I play see. all other, then you play 11 rounds in 11 days in the summer, typically. Uh -huh. And that, uh, happened, that happened this year or didn't happen this year? Uh, it happened this year, yeah. I, I played. We were. I can't even remember. I, I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's. Uh, it it was played as as usual, basically. Uh, and that, of course, from uh, my point of view as a professional, it's much uh, nicer because I don't have to travel that much or that often. Mm -hmm. I have more weekends free at home, and uh, if we are paid per game, it's also more sort of concentrated income. Yeah, like you get the whole year's payment in in two weeks. So. so. Uh, so they, there are basically these two uh, different leagues, but yeah, but yeah, paid per game and uh, one uh, uh, club per country. Those are the two most important. I see, I see. And that um, so when when the pandemic happens, then uh, and a lot of this stuff is uh, shut down. Do you have kind of the same reaction as potentially like a small business owner in in lockdown? Like, holy shit! I mean, how am I going to earn money? Um, or, you know, is it you have enough built up and it's easy to sort of figure out, you know, you're going to invest or you're going to because strictly from a chess standpoint, that seems like a pretty big problem for a lot of people. Yeah, like uh, I realized that, OK, I will not be able to 
have the same profession. Yeah, I have to adjust. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, that's of course okay. What to do? Yeah, I, I just had to accept it. And then I was trying to uh, understand what to do instead. Uh, I even tried out streaming a little bit, like for I think maybe two months. I was streaming like this regular, but somehow it was not really my uh, my thing. Then I started to do some more coaching and some more these courses, uh, some you know various things like that, and uh, that was quite nice because that also suited me quite well. And then, uh, of course, at some point there were some tournaments again, and I started and start, again started to prepare for them and sort of return. So, but uh, for me, um, I missed, of course, to play. But I can't say that I didn't have anything to do uh, or anything, or that I was bored or anything. No, I, if anything, I, you know, like I, I did as much as as usual, just yes, different things. Uh, yeah. The, the, so this, uh, I mean, the course you made, I'm, I'm more than happy to shout it out. So whoever's watching, <laughs> the, uh, the Grand Rue Lopez. Uh, yeah, that's right. Exactly like Grand Grandelius. Yeah. So Grand. Did, did you Lopez. have to go your whole life with your last name being like? grand oh it's so grand grand yeah know. yeah it's a bit of a pun yeah <laughs> but i, think but I even adopted it like when i play online i used uh, the nickname grand delicious as a small uh, joke on, oh it's uh, that's great i mean that's, yeah <laughs> that's like a fantastic you know play on words i i i'm just compared to levi's like the pants ah yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> it's, it's, less it's, exciting maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like also a misspelling of my name it's not uh, yeah, yeah grand exactly. <laughs> um well i asked you before we we got uh we got started. I, I was um, watching the intro to your course, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you now, so people people can can hear uh, your response. So I so the the Rue Lopez, obviously, you know, being one of the most classical openings uh, in chess. You said you learned it when you were young, and you sort of stuck to it. And so what what I'm curious about is how, like how how did you never at any point experience maybe a bad game or uh you, you know just like a, a rough streak where you weren't winning with white and you were like you know what this is like e45 is just it sucks I, there's no it's so boring you know like what is the how no, is it's, there... i yes i i didn't play it exclusively for my whole life so that's uh, i mean i have played uh, I various you. other things as well uh, i mean i have uh, played some italian and i even played some few scotches and so on uh but that's the thing with the with the main line, yeah. Like they are main lines because they are very good openings, and good openings generally last very long. So, uh, also something like the Roy Lopez, it's based a lot around uh, strategy, I would say, rather than you know specifics or very concrete move by move stuff. Like you have these structures, and it's more important that you know how to you know handle them, what pieces should in general go where, and so on. And then of course. Once you have a nice understanding of this, it's much easier to adjust a little bit. You know, maybe I, in some line, maybe I play, uh, you know, D3 one move earlier, or I, I omit right. H3, or like, you know, I make some small changes. Uh, and then uh, I basically have the same kind of position that I'm very familiar with, but my opponent won't get his preparation in, in sort of the specific moves so that they can just, uh, you know, flick out the computer lines until move 25. So uh, in that sense, it's uh, it's nice because it's so rich. Yeah, You have so many plans for both sides. You have so many ways to, uh, let's say, uh, alter it slightly, but then still keeping it within the same sort of overall arcing theme, let's say. 
Don't know like, if it was a bit. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, well, I mean, yeah. I understand everything you're you're saying uh, because I have had the misfortune of trying to like study this at some point, and I it, I just I I guess I prefer to get like a more forcing opening in the first ten or fifteen moves with like you know. Uh, good prep backed by some sort of Leela stockfish, I would die. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. It's, ju it's just not, yeah, I mean, it's just. I would I'm... say, I would even go as far to say as like, if you buy my course and you try to follow it, your main aim will in general be to win in the middle game rather than the opening. Like, it's not, yeah. uh, it's not a course that is based around you, uh, like the, the viewer being able to win immediately. No, definitely not. No, They'll build a solid foundation and then start the game. Like, Yep. And then hopefully handle it better than, than the opponent. So were you... Uh, well, first I was going to ask you a question. I mean, I don't know if you're... If, if, if you have such an ego to answer, but I was going to say, are you, you know, top five in the world in understanding of the Rue Lopez? No, no. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think in Who do you in think general, is best? In Roy Lopez. I think most chess openings are, like, they are first chess and secondly openings yeah so like <laughs> the strongest players will be able to be the strongest in uh, I see, I see. Mm -hmm. in uh, in all the openings uh, there I are some you. exceptions maybe but uh, like i mean if you take someone like vichy for instance who played the royal Lopez uh, his whole life is uh, is a very good name to uh, to mention but i'm sure if you get if you give them one position in the royal Lopez, magnus would play it the best Fabi would play the second best. Yeah, he would okay. play the third best. I fair, mean. <laughs> fair, fair. See, that's but, why. Like, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say that's why you have me just kind of hyping it up, and you're just like, ah, well, there was ratings for a reason. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. twenty-eight sixty-five for a reason. Um, always the boring guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, it, it, it's it's fair. Like I, yeah. one thing I've realized in in studying uh, these top guys the the last uh, two years um, is. Uh, because all of this online tour, we just got to see them play so much more. Uh, I started like picking up patterns. Like Shakriar likes to take on e4. He likes to play open Spanishes. Uh, I mean that uh, from what I've seen, you know. And then you see um, Magnus and and his Marshall and everything. And and in the World Championship this year, you must have been kind of I mean excited at least to see like not the most popular way of approaching the position I mean at least the way Magnus was playing it like for example in this first game when he played knight a5 did, were you like oh yeah, yeah I know this or were you like oh that's kind of interesting I just learned something new yeah uh, I definitely learned something new I had no idea about this knight a5 uh, wow <laughs> by the way to be a very good move uh, uh, yeah and then yeah. but but in, in general yeah also like it was quite clear that uh, Magnus didn't go for the most, uh, let's say, forcing ways to equalize the game. Like he was quite content with getting an interesting position after the opening. Uh, and that again plays back to the fact that he's a stronger player on paper. Uh, and that's also why it's nice to, uh, to sort of work for him because like the more interesting and the richer, the better, yeah? Because he's more likely to make use of it. And I thought that's what he did as well. Yeah, he played this strange, like group B8 moves, which also looked a little bit dodgy yeah. in a few of the games. And so he just wanted basically to get a position that wasn't too bad. It, it is very interesting because, uh, I mean, nowadays you, you just have the eval bar and, and the evaluation everywhere. And so like, you know, viewers, I, I would tune into the game after waking up and somewhere in the opening, like two, three moves in, the first engine eval that spits out to the viewers is like plus one, plus 0.8. After some of these like obscure Rue Lopez moves, you know, that he's playing. 
And uh, it's, I mean, I'm sure on a lower depth, a higher depth, it's, it's not that big. But as a viewer, you're sitting like, what the hell is he doing? Why is he losing in the opening every game? And then he maneuvers the pieces in a natural way. And it's not even plus one. The engine just is like, ah, I'm just kidding. It's like, you know, so it's fascinating to me, like for, for a new viewer to see that every single time is, must be very confusing. Um, but then he's like, fine. I mean, just Nepo has to be like super accurate the whole game. He doesn't play like a pawn break in, I forget which game, but he didn't play C4 to block it. Exactly, his yeah, yeah, yeah. And his no, initiative just, is gone. Chess is rich, yeah? Like it was not possible for him to prepare uh, all of it and so on. Uh, yeah. Um, but you you avoid the Berlin, right? You try to get D3 against Knight F6. Yeah, I get D3. I, I, I want my structure with D3, with pawn on C3 against the Knight on C6, and then uh, like just play it a little bit slower. Uh, not to go into this uh, ending, not so much maybe because I dislike it per se, but it's a lot of work and it requires quite a lot of understanding to to play it on any sort of level at all. And I think for most like club players, it's not uh, it's it's a much more worthwhile investment to uh, study the norm, normal structure, which you can get from many different uh, move orders and many different openings like. Even the way I play with pawn on d3, like let's say uh, you play the Italian, mm -hmm. you also get very similar pawn structures. So if you at some point get a little bit tired of the of the Roy Lopez, you can easily switch to the Italian because you already have the fundamentals in place. You already know more or less what should go where and so on. Uh, and this, um, in this sense, it would not benefit you that much to study the Berlin endgame in depth because... Okay, you know how to handle these positions with the opponent's king in the center against yeah. the bishop pair with an unusual pawn structure, but really, how often are you going to get it in your games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, I, 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 listen, I might be gatekeeping here, but as a person who has coached, I mean, I've, I've coached obviously mostly kids uh, and not adults. I don't think anyone below master level should be playing a Berlin endgame. I mean, it's just a disaster. I always compare it to like you know, home chefs, and then you leave them in the kitchen with advanced techniques and ingredients, and you're like, okay, go ahead. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't want to gatekeep people's openings. I just feel like... I, mean, I don't know. I think, from my perspective, uh, it does make some sense to have it as an opening as black. Uh, because you are likely to, you're likely to get it relatively often anyway, if you play it mm. with black. And then, I mean, you do, I mean, get some experience. Like, you do get quite yeah. a few games. But with white, I mean, we are talking like if you play classical two, three games a year, maybe you will get this ending. Like, I mean, how many weeks are you as a club player going to invest to get this ending? Like, in ah, uh, I see what you're saying. So if you're, but you if know... you get it like once every every tournament with black, like okay, then it makes some sense, and then you will also be able. Uh, of yeah. course, you will not understand it at the level of a of a, a title player, but you will understand it on some level, and you will be able to. Uh, uh, also build on your uh, understanding from game to the game. So what do you, there I, I was going to ask you, what do you think is the best uh, non-main line against the, the, the Rui? I mean, um, in terms of, you know, uh, A6, D6, or uh, I think, what is that called? Is that Neo-Steinitz or Steinitz? Uh, uh, Steinitz, yeah, Neo-Steinitz, or, or delayed Steinitz, yeah. Cozio or, you know, like, which line is the best, the most resilient and... I think in general, the rule of thumb is that if you, the more central control you have, the more freedom you have. So mm -hmm. if you want to do something a little bit funky, 
for instance, don't do not in any situation take e takes d4 because mm. then you give up the center and then it's all move by move based and then it, the risk is always much bigger. Mm -hmm. But as long as you have like this grip, okay. D, for instance, as you were saying, this is the first Einstein is like a6 d6 bishop d7 maybe play g6 bishop g7. I mean you do have some control. It's okay. You are slightly worse, but it's very playable. I think it's one of the one of the better ones. But don't play like some system with bishop c5 where after d4 you have to take and you give up the center and you get some very concrete counterplay which yeah. barely work. I mean, I think more think like that, like in general uh, concept. But as long as you have, you know, central control, as long as you have some stability, you have quite a lot of freedom to do whatever you want. How about the Schliemann? Is it good or bad? It's interesting, yeah. It's uh, like nowadays uh, it gained some popularity again. You give a pawn, but you get some quick development, and uh, it's interesting. I... But also on the same note uh, that I just made, like after d4, d5, c4, e6, let's say, mm -hmm. it's okay, we are taking some moves in that, but it's only two moves long. Now white develops any of the knights, and now there are two interesting moves h6 and a6. And you might wonder, like, what on earth is this? Like, how can you allow yourself to uh, mm -hmm. waste time with the pawn on the side? But it's specifically because you have this stronghold on d5 in the center. You have the pawn, so how bad can it be? Right. Like it, but you cannot play a6 or h6 if you started, you know, with d6 or with g6. Like, then you, then, like, you have much more responsibility. So it's just, I'm thinking in the same way against both e4 and d4. Like, uh, that makes if sense. If you want to experiment, give yourself some you know stability first and then you can like it's not you don't have to wait that long even like i just ask you to put two points in the center and then <laughs> on move three you're basically free to do whatever you want yeah 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 it's it, it it's true the queen's gambit declined is like somehow shockingly resilient you can add so many seemingly useless moves with black and still be okay um exactly uh, exactly yeah yeah Sp spanish makes sense i yeah, I, I feel like if in a different life I wasn't in this profession, maybe I would be uh, trying to, to study it. I mean, I'm going to confess to you that the only reason I don't play E4 is because of E5. So that might be slightly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be slightly disappointing. But if every one of my games could be an open Sicilian or Bishop B5 Sicilian, I think I would enjoy it more. But uh, yeah, the th E5 scares me. And, uh, but so does the Queen's Gambit decline from the white side. I mean, again, it's just one of these things. I... I yeah, exactly. I think this notion that we are trying to get an advantage with white has to, like, first step is to get rid of this notion, yeah? Oh, and yeah. try rather to get an interesting position or a playable position. And then, uh, yeah. if you sort of downscale your ambition, then in many more things will be more tempting to try as well. So I was going to ask you some stuff about your, we, t we talked obviously about, like, uh, you know, being a professional chess player. Um, and you, you kind of alluded to it, and I just sort of wanted to confirm it. Uh, in in growing up playing chess in a place like Sweden or even Copenhagen, uh, like in Denmark, you you're not going to get any state support, right? Like there, even if you're the best player in the country, you represent. It, it's not like being an Olympian, right? It, it's no, it's it's yeah. I mean, there could be some small things here and there if you are very lucky, but in almost nothing, basically. At least in, in Scandinavia, but like in obviously in Russia there is like something like that because there's a chess culture. But in Sweden, yeah, that's completely this... different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, you. I mean the Swedish Federation they get some money, for instance, from the state, 
but they are getting this money for the work they do with kids and chess in schools and this kind of stuff. Is there uh, a lot of chess in schools now? Or has yeah, there yeah, always been? Quite, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a lot. Like, for instance, I think the Swedish Chess Federation has like uh, maybe 30,000 members. Okay. And I think 3,000 of them are adults. Mm. The rest are sort of uh, chess in schools and uh, that kind of stuff. So it's like 90% almost of the uh, of the chess players in Sweden, like registered chess players are in that sort of thing. Do you guys have a prodigy we don't know of? Do you guys have someone? Unfortunately not, no. no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was looking at the list and I mean, it's a lot of players I recognize, like, you know, even authors I used to read like five, 10 years ago, but I was shocked. I'm like, there's no one born in the last like... Uh, maybe 17, 18 years, who is even like 25, 2600. I think there was one, uh, West, Westenberg? Uh, Westerberg. Westerberg, yeah. No, but even he is like born He's older, in yeah, he's 27. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We have no uh, real uh, like super talents. Definitely not. Wow. Well, yeah, it's a bit, it's probably the worst situation for, for quite a while for Swedish chess in regards to that. Uh, <laughs> We have well, played I mean, with the same team for quite a few uh, Olympiads now. But is that, uh, is that like okay at least? I mean, uh, if you go to the Olympiad and okay, you know you're not gonna you know win the whole thing, but maybe you'll get some wins against some good players. At least for you, you're gonna be board one. You might play Kramnik, you know who knows. So you have fun at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. No, but Olympiad also is like yeah, it's a chess festival. Yeah, so many teams from all uh, all uh, everywhere in the world and. Uh, no, I mean, actually, Olympiad, I really, really enjoy, uh, like, also socially. Like, it's one of the nicest events. It's just parties and whatnot. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just meeting up with friends from everywhere, yeah, basically. Uh, but you, from, from an ELO standpoint, I, I found this very interesting. So for the last several years, from December to December, January to January, you always end the year with a slightly higher rating than you started. So, like, <laughs> even if you play, like, 130 games, I was absolutely fascinated by this because you go up and down because I swear you cross 2,700, but your highest is, like, 2,694, I guess. I like, think so, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, w I was just, you know, but every year, obviously, pandemic kind of messes everything up. So what, what is that journey like? I mean, do you feel yourself every year improving your chess and not just your chess is it mindset is it uh... yeah no I, I mean until let's say the pandemic started or until like let's say end of 2019 i i definitely did uh and also i just like uh, quite often like i'm getting i'm asked like what what is your goal or mm -hmm. like what's your ambition and i tend actually to reply that my goal is to become a little bit stronger it's good and like when you when you think about it, it's actually uh, it's actually quite an ambitious goal because it sort of implies that I'm not going to stop this process of becoming a little bit stronger. Right. And if I'm not stopping this process, there is also no real uh, like limit to uh, like at some point I will get too old. But uh, like, for instance, for me now, I'm 28 years old. If I can become 10 points stronger every year, I would be very happy. In five, six years, I would be on a very, very respectable uh, uh, level so it's not uh, I feel no rush and I also don't feel that I need any big leaps or anything like that as long as I keep learning some new things keep improving a little bit I'm, I'm very very happy uh, 
I wasn't actually aware that it was reflected that clearly in my <laughs> in my ear because I'm not really checking. But well, yeah, exactly. I, I, it makes sort of, a lot of sense what you say. <laughs> it, it's um, yeah, you end you end the years at least even if it's three points, whatever. I mean, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. It's, it's like. But obviously, I'm I'm very curious about. Uh, I guess it's very different being a professional player. Like one period in my life, I was a professional player, but in the sense that. I dropped everything and I only studied chess. And that was when I was trying to get IM. And I was like 19 years old and my rating was 2200. And I, uh, yeah, I got like, I think I've realized my potential because I gained all my points in basically four months. And probably if I did that to this day, I dropped kind of everything else. I could be like a week 2500 GM, maybe. And then maybe we would, but I, I, I can't. And my attention span is completely eroded. I can barely read a book with all this <laughs> online stuff. Like, I mean, it's, it's just insane. I've watched my brain completely melt. Um, but like, what I don't understand is if you start the year, let's say 2650 or whatever. Yeah. But then in the middle of the year, you've lost 30 points. And maybe even in one month, you lose 15 points. You have like one or two really bad tournaments. What is your recovery process like? Uh, how do you just hit the pause button and the next very next month you gain all the points back like is it mm. decision making game by game is it how you felt in a tournament is it how do you recover from that no first of all i think it's very important to uh, understand uh, that it's it's a long process i think this is the it has been the key thing for me uh like it doesn't matter that much if I lose 30 points because anyway, in a few years time, it's, it will have, you know, faded out. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is, I think the first, and I think also the most important point that I don't care that much about the result on that specific day or that specific tournament, because I'm sort of, you know, playing the long game or whatever they, <laughs> they call it. Uh, so that is very important. And otherwise, uh, during no during an event it's very tough of course uh, you have to yeah simply simply for, try to forget about what you did what stupid things you did and move on but it's uh, mm, that's not as easy actually it's and it's hard for i think most chess players uh, and i think most i mean many players have different uh, strategies for this for instance i remember kramnik he said once uh, uh, the best, the, the, by far the best way to get over a loss is to start to prepare for your next game. And then so, sort of complete attention has shifted towards the next game and you are no longer thinking about. Uh, uh, and this, uh, this works for him. Uh, but for me, I tend to, I mean, occupy my brain with some other things. I mean, do mm -hmm. some, some other things and so on. But uh, uh, I mean, no, it's it's not easy. I think the most important thing that I did was uh, to sort of adopt this more uh, long-term process-based thinking. Because I used to be uh, also a bit too nervous, actually, like, let's say, four or five years back when I played, I tended to become very nervous, especially in the last few rounds of the tournament. Uh, Got it. Regardless of who you were playing? Yeah, well... But generally, like you were playing for something. Like if I play an open tournament, I'm generally not mm. maybe in the lead, but I'm somewhere, yeah. you know, there where I have something to play for. Uh, and of course, then the stakes get higher every day because it's the final rounds that matters in, in an open. Uh, and yeah, that, that was actually quite a burden and that I got a bit too, too nervous. And then, uh, well, like I was starting to... Uh, uh, 
yeah, think about how to how to handle it and so on, and discussing with some people. And uh, uh, I'm simply conclude that this doesn't work for me. This sort of very result oriented uh, way of thinking, where everything is, you know. Uh, decided on that day. No, I, I simply have to enjoy the process. I have to try to learn from uh, from the experience and I have to just, you know, think long-term. That works much better since then. Okay, of course, it's I'm still getting nervous and so on, but it's like not to the extent that I feel that it uh, sort of uh, bothers me very much. Right. That makes uh, sense. Uh, you Did you ever have the, the feeling kind of as you were going from 25 to 26 to 26 to mid 26 or whatever uh like at what point do you do you stop thinking about playing up you know like for me if i'm playing tw up to 24.99 like i'm like that's my rating i should be there but if i'm playing 26.50 i'm like oh my god this is i gotta really focus you know even against <laughs> 2500s i'm on edge and okay i've never played i've played two games against people rated 2700 uh, and uh, one of them I actually wasn't doing so badly, but um, I don't know. It's very hard for an IM to go into a game and not have this in the back of their mind, like, okay, I'm just going to lose this game. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, I'm going to try my best, and maybe. But you obviously don't experience those emotions. Uh, no, not that I will lose for sure. Whatever yes. happens, no, that's uh, <laughs> that's no. But but it uh, it's true that uh, you do play a little bit differently when you play a very very strong player, and I. Uh, I have experienced this uh, a few times myself. For instance, in my last big tournament, I played the Grand Swiss in Riga. Now this controversial uh, tournament during the <laughs> the lockdown and so on, whatever. Yeah. Uh, in any case, I played Fabi with White at some point. I was on plus two undefeated. I played him. I was a bit better in some middle game, and I start. I traded queens mm. and released all the all the pressure. Gave him a completely equal ending which he then sort of uh, ground me down in seven hours. Uh, and that, of course, I would not have done if I played a lower rated player. And that bothered me very, very much <laughs> I see. that I did it. Uh, so that now I'm going to play in Baikansé in January, this uh, mm -hmm. sort of 14 player top event. And that will, of course, be one of the main focuses of, uh, for me uh, and also during my preparation to be, uh, to make sure that I will not again do this sort of stupid decision making based on on the ratings of my opponents or something like that just to try to really play my game and play uh, as if i'm playing anybody else you've played um so i i, I also know obviously the last thought steel you played uh you played magnus did you play fabi fabi there as well i honestly yeah, don't know yeah. if he was there um okay. and uh well feruja i i guess is not is currently not in i don't know if the list is final i don't know if it's no like he's not in actually he declined yeah i think there was some they were they couldn't quite agree yeah there was some issues i, I don't but the the list is already full or they can still add i think somebody. it's i think it's full now yeah oh okay well it's that's already all the port okay we will of course it's not un unlikely that somebody will uh not be able to come during yeah 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 that's like true. for sure but uh but they have 14 players currently have you played um some of the other top 10 guys in classical i i apologize if it's an ignorant question i mean i, I no, no, I, no it's no, it's not but but yeah i have like as you said for instance being number one in my country it's a little bit easier because i do get games against the top guys in mm -hmm. team events on board one and uh, i have played in in various open so yeah i've played most of the of, of the players actually for instance fabi i think i i played five or six times already <laughs> i see i see um... <laughs> so uh, 
Uh, yeah, so yeah, no, I have played most of them before. So, uh, but I, I also believe, like for me especially, this experience has helped a lot. Like right. the first game or first couple of games against players of such level, then I played much worse than I than I do now. So mm. it really, really a lot of of these uh, issues they go away with uh, with experience. And I'm assuming. Once you win a game, it's going to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, no, actually, like in this Vikings last year, I, I did manage to win a couple of games in the, in yeah, the yeah. first half, which was very nice. Uh, of course, also gives you gives you a huge boost in, in confidence. I, um, I, I imagine that's like a huge part of it, because it, oftentimes it, it really does happen in tournaments that if you get hot quick, you like just have a great event. I mean, okay, maybe you cool off, but if you win in the second or third round, like you're going to start really... At least in my experience, I've had all my. Best I think that's true, yeah. but I think it's even more true the other way around. Like if you start uh, badly against very strong players, you really can lose a lot of games in a yeah, row. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's it's uh, the reverse. They go, oh, that person is going to be the the beating the punching bag for the tournament. Exactly, and then everybody really tries so hard to beat you, and that's a bit that uh, that's a bit rough. But uh, no, I don't. Uh, I think it's very unlikely that uh, that that will happen to me because I've now. Okay, finally, I lost a few games. I ran out of sort of energy last mm -hmm. year, but uh, uh, no, I mean, I played them, I beaten most of them, and uh, like uh, I might play badly, but it will not be because I'm overwhelmed by the, you know, fame of my opponents or whatever. Right. Um, no, that's uh, what. What does it look like to to train as a as a 2670 rated player like what 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 is your training is it mostly openings nowadays i mean how do you even practice calculation you can't just boot up some puzzles on some website i mean is no, it no we, we can we, we can yeah well, what do you do you have to make your own training somehow right like uh... no no i think it's not so different i think i mean if you go on some websites or that i mean no it's not so bad I, for me it's challenging still to go Oh, uh, solve puzzle. Yeah, yeah, it's not so. I mean, of course, I might spend a little less time than uh, a weaker player on each puzzle, but it's still quite challenging. And really, or, or if you pick up some books like calculation exercises, whatever. No, no, it's 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 quite challenging. Uh, of course, you have these studies like end game studies. Uh, they can be insanely <laughs> difficult. Right. Like, I think it's as uh, even for me like. As likely that they are too difficult rather than too easy. <laughs> so, I know, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, there's some. But positions. of course, yeah, we do we do check a lot of openings, and I think in this, uh, like, in relation to that, it's important to understand that uh, when, like, for instance, I check openings, it's not so much maybe what an, a club player would call openings, because what I do when I check openings is rather middle games in fact because i'm like maybe the theory ends somewhere on move 12 12 13 14 mm -hmm. or whatever depending on the opening and then i check a lot like what are the typical uh, maneuvers here what are the typical plans what can work what cannot work uh and then of course i i like incorporate it to my opening repertoire because i like i have my files in chess space and i know down that this is a good idea and this is right. plan is useful but I mean, you could equally well call it middle game studies or yeah. like the same thing. If you, let's say, prepare a new opening, you you call a friend, you play some rapid games, maybe in this opening with your friend. It's also like, OK, you're practicing the opening, but you're also sort of practicing the rest of uh, 
of the faces as well at the same time. So like to a very large degree, it's opening work, but it sort of spills over to the to the right. middle game and end games as well. Uh, and what is it? What is it like doing preparation for uh, opponent specific stuff at that level? Uh, is it like impossible? I mean, or can you? If if I'm playing a, a a random I am in a tournament, I can more or less kind of predict what they're gonna do unless they completely surprise me. Uh, but uh, you know, at, at that level, but they, but they are different at the top level as well. Like some guys, like let's say you play Fabi, mm -hmm. uh, then you you have no chance to predict what he will do. He can play an or Magnus. You, they can play anything, absolutely anything. So you rehearse a little bit uh, your lines, like what you maybe expect as little uh, as more likely or. So on, but basically you just look a bit here and there, and you guess, and you go to the game well knowing that most probably you will not get your preparation. Yeah, That's funny. you sleep uh, better maybe when you play Magnus. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. In, in that sense, it's easier. Yeah, but there is less pressure. But you also have other guys. Yeah, you have guys like Maxim Bashir Lagrave, who is playing exclusively the Nidor from the Greenfield. Or right. For a while, Napomnishi was the same. Or, uh, uh, I mean, some some of the other guys also are a bit uh, more predictable. Uh, and then it's like preparing for any other guy. Like, okay, you have to check a little bit deeper because he will know the, the most obvious things. Uh, but the process is very similar. Like, you try to figure out what is the most likely. You try to come up with some ideas there that he will not know. And, uh, yeah, like basically as if you were preparing against any other. But it depends a lot who the guy is. I, uh, I, that triggered my memory. Th this was a very nice game. I remember looking at your your MVL game in uh, in twenty twenty one. Yeah. No, there, for instance, uh, it was uh, a clear case of very targeted preparation uh, because he liked to play this poison pawn variation in the night of very very sharp. Uh, it was very forcing, so it makes it very easy to guess all the specifics. Uh, he, which also happens very often actually in modern chess, especially on higher level he couldn't quite remember mm -hmm. and he also feared my preparation quite a bit so at some point instead of making the sort of the most obvious move he sort of bailed out and gave a pawn just to get castled and get into safety and so right. on and of course like i didn't really have anything if he just played the main line but he had also no way of knowing so in some sense it was a bluff for, for me or rather a sort of calculated risk yeah that okay he plays a few more good moves and it will most probably be a run that's it yeah uh but he didn't he didn't dare and then he was quickly worse and that's probably like if he hadn't known anything about it at all he would just make the most natural move but he had in some sense a little bit too too much knowledge or uh right like he got confused by himself and his uh, uh his prior knowledge which is I don't know how apparent it is from for an outsider, but it's actually very, very common at top level. Like when you see a very strange mistake, you really need to be in the guy's head to understand what why it could happen and so on. Because then it's almost always because he confuses it with something that looked similar or yeah, or like they are still thinking not so much from scratch, but they are confusing themselves with trying to compare, trying to. Um, like remember misremembering and then mixing up and so on yeah that's why uh, so many of these strange decisions come uh, just after the opening sometimes
But in that sense, like playing a guy like MVL, I mean, I'm sure you would prefer to be white because you just, I mean, okay, you're gonna play E4. There's a very high chance you're gonna get what you're gonna get, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah. But I also remember remember in Tata Steel there was some discussion. I don't remember after which game. Maybe it was this game. First of all, the Night Orf got killed in this tournament. I mean, I, I think every Night Orf lost or like one draw. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I lost uh, three games in the Night Orf myself. Do you did? Oh, I'm sorry. I lost. Yeah. I lost. I lost to Magnus. I lost to Giri, and then I lost to Jordan von Forest in the last uh, round as well. Wasn't your game against Giri his course or something? Like yeah, that? that was the that was the thing. Yeah, at some point, uh, because I got a very the, the the whole story goes like this. I was very late, like my invitation because someone yeah. declined. So I I had maybe one week to prepare uh, for the event. Yeah. I'm now making up a lot of excuses, but you will understand. Like so, I had maybe one week. He had just published this course. I thought, okay, like it's it's a nice shortcut. I will not be able to analyze from scratch uh, the whole repertoire in one week. So I will have this course and I will try to improve on it and try to, you know, find some deviations and so along the way. Uh, and then I played, first I played actually Esipenko. This is a mm -hmm. Russian, uh, very, very talented guy. And I got a clearly better position just following his course <laughs> in round four, <laughs> which people tend to forget. I was completely winning in that game and somehow uh, I fucked up in time travel. It was a draw, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then... Uh, at some point, though, okay, I lost to Magnus. He played some some rare stuff. I improvised. I was fine. It was complicated. Okay, he won. Whatever. Uh, but then I played Giri, and I was trying to guess what he would do because I understood it would be a little bit risky to play, you know, his course <laughs> against him. So what will he do? Okay, it's not impossible that he will take on the Nidorf because he by that point I also had not played any games against D4, which meant that he would not be able to guess what I would do. So. Mm -hmm. In general, these top guys they prefer to you know punch where they where they can predict what will happen. Yeah. So it like neither was likely, I, I, and I just gamble like okay, he uh, has four or five different setups against three of them. I managed to find some completely independent you know lines that he didn't recommend or like that I looked from scratch. Uh, and in two, okay, well, what to do? Yeah, I ran out of time, so I just yeah. went with what I had since before. And he picked one of the ones that uh, uh, that I didn't have time to change. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's wild. I, I, I and also... the best thing is yeah, that he he had absolutely no idea what to do against his course. Like he, he told me after the game, okay, he had a few ideas, but he couldn't remember them. He didn't expect it. So in fact, what we got was just a completely equal ending after twenty moves. It's completely fine for me. Like he was, he said he was even a bit depressed because he was getting absolutely nothing against such a predictable uh, line of opening. That's but so uh, it's it was a very funny. Uh, it was a very funny uh, thing, the whole uh, <laughs> the whole situation. And then Jordan, uh, you, the the Jordan game. Did it follow? Yeah, the Jordan. Unfortunately, I had. Time to, to check what Danish recommended also against the sidelines. And uh, he uh, came up with a new, very dangerous idea against one of the sidelines. Uh, wasn't a very good idea, but was quite uh, uh, tricky to handle in practical play, which is what Jordan is so good at. Yeah, that yep. he comes up with these ideas that they might even be slightly worse for him, but he asks questions. It's difficult to solve over the board. And uh, well, of course, I had my chances, but, uh, but he won even fairly easily. Well, uh, so uh, I mean, 
the tournament is in is in a month. So if it's gonna be, I'm not I, I'm not gonna ask you what you're gonna play against E4. But if it's gonna be the Knight of, then you know, best of luck. And if it's gonna be E5, we'll we'll we'll, we'll look forward to those games. Do you know all your pairings already? Or no, no, they are pairing. They are made the the day before, I think. Oh, so you just sit and wait for? No, no. What you do? Okay, it's so many players. It's it's like four, thirteen different opponents. Uh, it's too many players to prepare specifically for each player. So what you do is just you work on your yourself, own stuff. yeah, your own your own stuff, your own repertoire. So like my openings against e4, my openings against d4, what I will do with white and so on. Uh, and I base it on myself, and then every day I will make the adjustments uh, like in relation to my opponent. Like, but um, the the whole focus, I mean, until the very point where the pairings are done, will not be at all uh, based on specifics for the opponents. Just right, purely based on myself. Did you have to make any uh, any repertoire changes as you climbed the ranks, or did you? I mean, I guess okay, e five c five is the gold standard against e four, but like against d four, I mean, I don't know, were you a a Benko Gambit player, and then you had to change, <laughs> or, or or were you always just kind of solid? Like, I well nowadays I do play quite a bit of Grinfeld, which I also did when I was much younger, but at some point I also had a break, like for a few years. I was playing a lot of Ragosin and Vienna and this kind of mm -hmm. fairly sharp Queen's Gambits. Uh, and uh, uh, no, I didn't do like, I think I'm always trying to change a little bit. Like actually my, my rule of thumb for up and coming players is that you should always change one opening. Mm -hmm. Meaning that it's... Uh, Rarely a good idea to try to change your whole repertoire at once because you will get too confused. You will not be in time to get into the things and so on. But you must also never stop uh, changing or never stop uh, sort of uh, developing. So in general, like, okay. And with one opening, I don't mean like very specific. Like I mean one major thing, like defense against E4, defense against D4, E4 as Y, D4 as Y. Like one of these, you need to always be changing. Right. Like working on changing. So like, let's say I played some Knight of, okay, I'm now going to play Karakan. So I'm working on Karakan. So that's one thing like, like this. Yeah. Or I want to switch from C4 to, to E4. Yeah. So I'm working on E4. Like I'm working on one of them at a the time, but I'm never stopping. So I'm always changing, you know, two, three times a year, maybe like this. It's what and, I have time for. And it's not because of like, you have a bad game and you're like, screw this. I'm, I'm done with this. Is it more no, like- No, no, uh, it's just, it's this, uh, I'm scared of uh, stopping the, stopping learning new things, let, let's say. I, got I want to continue, uh, continue to, to get used to new structures, to learn more about the game in general. So it's, it's exclusively that. So, uh, this, we've been talking about a lot of serious stuff, so let's talk about uh, something slightly less serious. You you played the you you played all of Sweden recently. Yeah, that's right. Uh, how how did that go? I was trying to find like some replays of it, uh, but it, it's 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 not so simple to do. So, yeah, tell tell me about that. You were invited to play like on Swedish national TV. Is that what that was? Yeah, exactly. Swedish national web TV. It was. So it wasn't actually. Uh... It was only uh, on their web uh, online uh, online TV, but still, mm -hmm. like uh, the main, uh, like the state channel, and they're like if you log in online, it's like the main thing and yeah, the starting page basically. 
uh, and it was for six hours. <laughs> wow. So what they did was that they had a system where the viewers were voting on the moves. Mm-hmm. I think they had, you know, if it was one and a half or two minutes per, per vote. So I, I made a move. So they had a vote which move to make. And the move that won the vote, this move was made on the board. So right. I made my reply and they again had the vote. So of course, it did take quite some time because like two minutes per move, it quickly won one and a half hours per game. Yeah, But, uh, but that was the concept. And then during that period, this Anna Crumling together with a non-chess player were... Uh, well, commenting on the games, but also talking about chess in general and uh, and so on, making a, a sort of a show out of it. And uh, did you win or did they cheat? Uh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> first I won normal game and then I played one blindfold game, which I also won. But then they <laughs> removed all my heavy pieces, which was <laughs> quite... Ah. quite rough <laughs> ah yeah yeah that that's that's I, I think they don't realize what they're doing when they do that yeah 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 exactly no the thing was also that uh, it took a little bit longer than expected so we only had i don't remember if it was 45 minutes for the last game or something ah. so we actually needed to make sure that they would give checkmate within like 25 moves <laughs> that's funny i, I just I was that people would, like 22 i just assume people would cheat like and you would lose but no but uh like it's vote yeah so then you would actually have more people cheating than not cheating for it to have effect uh, yeah, like, yeah, it doesn't matter I, if yeah doesn't matter if 15 20 percent of the people are cheating if the rest are just voting <laughs> on stupid moves yeah that is fair that is fair what, no, but the... it was it, it was actually very very nice i think this concept of voting and this it's a nice way of having viewer uh, interaction was it like a reasonable game or yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like the first two, especially the second one when I played blindfold was was a very reasonable game. So how, how uh, are you at blindfold? Like, what would you estimate your 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 strength? Uh, I'm fairly decent, I think. Uh, in a classical game, maybe I lose 150 points. 150 points, something like so, that. So, still, so, still so stronger than some people will ever be. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I would hope that if we played a classical and I was blindfolded, that I would be the favorite. Yeah, I would definitely hope so. Yeah, in Blitz, yeah. I think you would definitely crush me. Oh, you know, Blitz, but Blitz, I mean, Blitz is ridiculous because you also have to manage your time. Um, exactly, like it's too, uh, it's too fast. Yeah, basically. Yeah. No, I did what I did once actually. Uh, uh, we had some event, some fun event, and I played seven games. Like against seven professors, actually. Wow. Uh, and that was... Uh, no, it, it worked fine. Once I made... Uh, once I forgot one position. But the rest was quite fine, so... Uh, yeah, it's of course... But especially for TV, yeah? it's much more impressive for yeah, people yeah. who are not into the business. This blindfold mm-hmm. is very... It looks yeah. very nice. Or the, the clock, like... Ray Enigma just played Karpov, you know, it's like... Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right as well. But I think Blindfold even more, maybe, to... Uh... I, but you know what's weird? Uh, maybe on TV, but on YouTube, Blindfold Chess does terribly. Ah, Blindfold does terribly on YouTube. Yeah, right? I, I don't know why. Like, the, the concept of... Uh, you can have the, everything the same, but I don't know. I, like, I've, uh, I've tried to upload a couple of different videos playing Blindfold, and it does horribly. Even though it's... Theoretically, even more impressive. Yeah, yeah, I see, I see. No, ah, so in YouTube, you need to sort of uh, I have to, zoom yeah, yeah. in on the clocks and on the seconds and so on, yeah? <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I've, um, 
I, I've even in the past played like a blindfold simul on stream, which takes a long time to set up because you have to open four windows on different browsers. Otherwise, you won't be able to capture all of them. Uh, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I like worked so hard and no one watched. I was like, okay, I'm never doing this again. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I wasn't aware. <laughs> uh, well, on an even more um, goofy note, so I don't know if you know this, but if you type in Nils Grandilius into, uh, into Google, uh, one of the top three is chess. So it's your name and chess. Uh, mm -hmm. The second one is wife. <laughs> wife? Uh -huh. Yeah, wife. Uh, and, and, and the third one is hair. So, <laughs> so it's maybe the three most interesting things uh, uh, about you. I was fascinated about wife. I mean, I don't know. You're not like a, you don't have like crazy social media profiles everywhere. You're not like some, so why is everybody wondering about wife? I don't know. Um, no, I, uh, yeah, no, it's <laughs> very unclear to me. I mean, uh, it's not, uh, not a secret. Yeah, I live with my girlfriend and we've been living together for many years. So <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not married. We are not married. Yeah, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure if you type in my name, no, no, wife or girlfriend is like fifth or sixth. It used to be like uh, number two or number three. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. No, no for me, it's People... Indonesia, Gotham Chess Indonesia. <laughs> ah, because of this thing. I remember vaguely you had some sort of uh, incident with them. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, we don't, we don't need rough. to, it was a lot of fun. Um, no, but <laughs> yeah, the, the, the hair I was going to, I was going to ask you about. You uh, you're also part of a, a meme I saw because of like your your previous hairstyles. It was like uh, I saw at some point. Yeah, they made like I had so many different hairstyles, so they made some fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was what was uh, what was the inspiration? How did you even manage that? You what was that? Is that dreadlocks that you had? Yeah, dreadlocks. Yeah. No, it's okay. I mean, it's nice haircut. No, I mean, <laughs> I like reggae, and I think yeah, it was. No, definitely I liked uh, sort of reggae uh, at the time. No, I still do. Uh, but otherwise, okay, it's just a haircut. Yeah, I mean, I didn't put any real... But it's, it takes so... Like, you have to grow it all out, right? Yeah, that's true, yeah. No, I mean, basically, I think it's fair to say that I was maybe lazy to cut it or do anything. At some point, it was quite long, and I thought, well, why not? I might as well make breadlocks. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Did you have to get it, like, professionally done? And Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had some hairdresser do it so wow That's no that awesome. was no but it was great but it was uh very well suited for uh, for the time yeah like in high school and like it was a fun thing to have but at some point it felt a bit uh, uh it belonged more to the sort of youth than <laughs> adult life what was the when what was the day like the day you decided to do it you know what 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 caused it to cut it uh, all off you mean to cut? Well, no, no, nothing really. I mean, uh, it wasn't a big. Uh, nothing happened. I just said someday. I said, okay, let's let's cut it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. You didn't like think about it for weeks. Should I? No, should I no, no, no. It was a very impulsive decision, but uh, also I didn't regret it at all. So that's very. Fair. Who was the first person who saw you after you cut your hair? No, my roommate. But he actually <laughs> didn't even notice. Yeah, because he was. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was completely strange. Yeah. Just. Did he think it was a wig? Like that you were No, wearing? no, no, but okay. I mean, it's like he saw me from front and usually it's all in the back and he didn't look so carefully. And at some point I had to sort of tell him. <laughs> That's very funny. I think um, Casa Corley from, uh, from Denmark, but he lives in New York, but he, I think he's a dual citizen. He's an IM. Yeah. So he has dreadlocks. He has like I know, massive I know, dreadlocks. Yeah. 
So you guys, uh, is there an, another title player in the world with dreadlocks? You could make like dreadlocks like team. I, don't, I think Grisha had dreadlocks at some point, no? What? I think so. Yeah, if you Google some old picture, like maybe twenty years ago. Oh my god! I think that's there amazing. is a. I think yeah, the picture is there is one picture because I think probably bled Olympiad because he, the thing the funny thing is that he's standing next to Kasparov yeah with his dreadlocks like the just one gold medal Grishuk is there. Oh my god! Kasparov. You're right. Kasparov didn't look that impressed. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. It's funny because if you type in Grishuk dreadlocks, there's a photo of you. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of photos of you instead. Uh, yeah. Wow. Oh my God. That's that's awesome. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. There's there there's so many. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, the the, the this this like chess history that now it's like a new period of chess history being developed. But we had all these uh, all these folks. I I can't possibly do that. So I. Uh, you can't do dreadlocks. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I would. I, I can never. It'll never get that far. Um, uh, yeah. The 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 only the the thing that I kind of wanted to ask with this whole playing chess on TV and uh, and Anna Kramling, obviously, it's like I've I've been sort of asking a lot of the super GMs this, um, and the answer is sort of consistent. I don't know. I don't know if you will have the same thoughts, but. There's a lot of thoughts about like, uh, okay, the chess boom might bring in millions of people, which it totally has. Like it was just unbelievable numbers compared to old days. But do you feel the effect of that, or not really? Because it's still a total, a bit of a different world up there. Uh, I would actually say that uh, professionally, not yet, not not much at all. But in my everyday, like I'm, I'm noticing chess as, as you know, a citizen. Or, mm. <laughs> like I see, like if I'm on the bus, there is someone else playing chess on his phone or her phone. Like or uh, if uh, if there is chess like somewhere, like people are asking me, like, but what about uh, the World Championship match? Like people who are not at all into chess. Like what did right. you think about Game Six and so on? Uh, this kind of stuff I'm noticing, but I haven't yet noticed like. Uh, uh, the big boom in terms of uh, like, uh, but also I'm not sure because we haven't uh, had that many tournaments yet. So I don't know, uh, like right. in what sense I would have been able to uh, to notice it yet. But uh, uh, I think, I mean, my, my general uh, impression is that it's an excellent time to be a chess player nowadays. I mean, we definitely can't, can't complain about more people watching and playing that's for sure i just I no hope. exactly and also like to be a professional like i think there is also probably more money or they will like uh, i i don't know i i mean i haven't done anything really targeted uh, towards non-club players almost at all uh like okay well, i'm in this tv show yes but like let's say my courses and uh, uh and so on or my my coaching or this kind of stuff i'm doing I mean, they are of course targeted at, at like uh, club players, uh, not non-club players. So in that sense, like I imagine, what you do is a bit more uh, probably targeted to the more casual. Uh, most sure. of what you do. <laughs> I mean, so it's it's a little bit different, but uh, of course, if you have a lot of casual players, then like long-term chances are that more of them will start in the club as well. Like it's not impossible, at least. Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, uh, I was talking about. Obviously, the World Championship is a very specific example, but um, and you compare it to, and it also happens once a year. It doesn't happen every 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 month. But um, 
But I know, like, I, I'm pretty sure for Tata Steel, there's no prizes, right? Or maybe they're not public. Um, no, so, yeah, there are some prizes, but not not that much. Yeah, yeah. A lot of like the the the, the top tournaments are, are, I mean, are just invitationals. So, uh, as far as I know, if 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 it's a closed event with three or four openings, it's kind of hard. Like they'll invite a Yesipenko, Jordan Van Forest, you. But you were you were a replacement. I mean, if yeah, if it I was never... a replacement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I so, had some contact. Yeah, but uh, if if it never, I, I don't know. But also, I'm not really lacking that much in tournament. Like from my perspective, as as a player of, of my level, the main thing that I would have changed is probably to make it a little bit more mixed. Instead of having a top ten, I mean, maybe you have top eight and you have two wild cards in each tournament or something like that, in this tour and so on. I mean, you have to give a little bit more possibilities, but. But that's from a general perspective. For me personally, I, I sort of get <laughs> enough invitations. Right. Uh, so like I'm not uh, lacking good opportunities to play. And uh, I, I don't know, I'm seeing, saying this, I'm waiting for this boom to have, like affect me professionally, but also it's not like I'm sitting at home waiting. No? I mean, right. I'm, I'm very much content with, uh, with the current situation as well. That is I'm definitely very happy that as is it is. Good. I think uh, yesterday Fide got a, announced another sponsor, and it's a Russian oil company. So it it seems uh, what, like the... it used to be a Russian gas company, or <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's a new sponsor or just adding on. But it was very funny because I read the name and and I and I saw it said Nift, which is Russian for I think I think oil. I'm my 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 Russian, uh, you know, technical terms are I don't exactly know. I can speak it, but and I was just laughing because. This is just the business model, it seems like. I mean, the World Chess Federation will just partner with a Russian, massive Russian oil or gas company, and that's going to be the business model. But who knows? Maybe we can get some Coinbase or whatever, some Western companies there. And yeah, yeah. we will see. Yeah, it's. Uh, but it seems like over, like okay, we. <laughs> some of these sponsors are maybe not that great. Yeah, but uh, generally, the overarching trend is still, I think, more money is getting into chess, yeah, rather than anything else. Yeah, I mean you have this, especially this online tour. Like they have some very decent sponsors, uh, sponsors, right? Like some very big, very well-respected companies are there as well. So, uh, I mean, we also uh, it's still not great, especially not compared to other sports. But uh, I mean, if you remember how it was 10, 15 years ago, I mean, it was much worse. Yeah, I can I can imagine. Probably the leagues at least have gotten better. Sorry, uh, I was gonna say at least. Probably the leagues have gotten better or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. No, but I think in general it has gotten better. So, uh, uh, and I don't believe like with the current boom, chess standing so strong, it would surprise me greatly if uh, the trend starts to go in the other direction. Like, it's hard to see it happen. I think. Yeah, I, I, I doubt we're gonna have some sort of drop off of of interest. I mean, the more crypto tournaments we can host, which crash websites, probably the better. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. And no, that was, I mean, it's all a great sign, no? That finally we crashed them. No? <laughs> I know. Now we, we at least it used to just be chess.com on Title Tuesdays, but now we found we found a way to to equal the playing field. I know that was very funny. Um, that but, was funny, but it was also sort of uh, yeah, great that they were trying to host such an event. Yeah, like, I know. I was no, but it's also also this like as a professional player, or actually as a chess player in general. All these super guys playing online all the time. I mean, come on, yeah, it's great. Like, yeah. so many possibilities to practice, so many possibilities, you know, to match yourself against top, like, absolute top players in the world. Like, 
This absolutely did not uh, happen uh, 10, 15 years ago. I know. I mean, okay, you would have Naka, occasionally you would have someone like Grishuk, but okay, very, very rarely, yeah? and they were playing against each other. Now, yeah, now, like, now we get it uh, We get it every month. I think the, the next tour starts in, in like two months. I don't know if you've. Yeah, yeah late February, yeah, it's the next tour. Uh, no, I mean, it's just, I'm saying, think, simply saying it's great, like from chess, like all, all sort of. Uh, levels or uh, all parts of, of the chess world or the chess profession is doing great. Yeah, like I think for all all uh, levels, it's it's an excellent time to be a chess player. <laughs> I know, and that's one thing I always said whenever I spoke to any any journal or anything. I said like, um, I think the people least qualified to complain about the pandemic are chess players. Like maybe if you got COVID or you had a a, a relative. Oh, for- God yeah, forbid, sure, sure. who got sick? But I think of anyone. No, no, professionally, yeah, definitely. Like <laughs> we cannot complain. I thought, I mean, it's great. So many people. I mean, no, it's fantastic. I'm very optimistic. Yeah, I, I, maybe with the exception of a couple of healthcare companies who develop vaccines, but uh, or masks, you know. That no, made okay. Me... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, no, I, I'm so sure there are many, are many like... businesses. Chess players are like third on the list. I'm not sure anything else <laughs> exactly. boomed as much as chess. So um. no, no. I mean, also uh, like okay, we do have like for instance, I had to change profession, but within my the same field. Yeah, I mean, I had to switch from being a player to being doing other things. Yep. But I also know that it's temporary and it also works out well if you try to do it. And I mean, no, there is no like so many players, so much interest everywhere, everything. I know it's it's, it's absolutely great. We are actually quite spoiled. The, the last question I, I kind of ask everyone, we talked a bit about your tournament in, in January, but uh, what, uh, what does the future hold for you, whether in chess or anything you're doing outside of chess? What's, uh, what's the future like? Uh, it's much of the same, no? Like, I mean, I cannot sit here and praise my, my life so much and then say that I will completely change it. Yeah? No, I mean, I have Ike, I have uh, some other events coming after the spring but also apart from that i'm i'm sitting at home uh, you know training every day <laughs> trying to improve and that's like what i what i like the most so that's what i will do maybe it's not impossible of course that i will make another course or two in due time when when i have a break from tournaments but uh, yeah that's about it no same as same as always <laughs> yeah i mean you know maybe you were going on a crazy uh, vacation or uh, maybe you were planning to become a swedish real estate mogul i don't know i uh, just ev- everyone's doing different stuff but if it's more of the uh, same yeah, yeah. no no, no. I'm, I'm not uh, i'm not going to change <laughs> no, i'm very happy with it uh, <laughs> how's it how it's going yeah well yeah. um i mean that's that's basically it so i mean i i just just want to say thank you and also nice to meet you i mean i basically just followed your games and occasionally put you in videos and uh mispronounced yeah, your nice, name nice for a few you months too. yeah i've seen a few uh, a few of your videos okay not, I'm, too I'm, not that many but uh, a few it's, it's actually uh, very nice thank you I, I hope they haven't uh poisoned your chess knowledge uh, of any sort i mean um i saw some funny things somewhere that uh like Susan Polgar didn't know what the Traxler was, for example, and uh, because it's such a bad opening that like you don't even uh, at that. Ah, at yeah, that... yeah, yeah. No, no, that could be, that could be. <laughs> but no, I no, but something I remember, especially I think it was. Uh, did you do, for instance, about the Queen's Gambit? Yeah, the games in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recall. Yeah, yeah. That no, that was uh, excellent. I was enjoying it very much when I watched this video, for instance, and 
some other things in that stuff. No, no, I'm, I'm not so much from social media, but uh, I keep track a little bit here and there. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, there's enough. Uh, no, I mean, as much as you guys are brainstorming middle game plans and openings, uh, I'm brainstorming my next thumbnail and my next video concept. So my Yeah, homework... yeah, no, I understand that. It's, uh, <laughs> right. I wouldn't be able to uh, keep it up in the way you do, for sure not. That's good. We'll, we'll 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 keep focusing on on things that we're good at. Um, yeah, I think that's a very good idea. <laughs> I will I will not be venturing into the into the Rui, and uh, you know, as the more people yeah, I, I will can, not. Yeah. I was gonna say more people I can keep out as competitors, the better. On the on the flip side, though, when I had Naraditsky on, I actually convinced him to make videos every single day, and I think his his community sort of is happy because now he's. You know, they want to see more of him. But I mean, the more we can see you guys. Actually, the, what, what sort of convinced me to um, to, to get you on, because I didn't know a whole lot about you, uh, I just watched your commentary with uh, Anish and you did. And I was like, oh, he's like a super friendly guy. I don't know, because some, some of you guys at that level, you might not be so friendly, you know? <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank I, you very much. I, I hope you haven't changed opinion too much. No, 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 no. But you know, I'm sure there's there, there's a, there's some strong players out there who are maybe you know they might not be so. I, like I said, I've invited people who just kind of say, hey, you know, listen, maybe in the future. And that's just a very I'm a New Yorker. It's a very polite way of saying no. So yeah, 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 sure, I'm, sure. I see, I see. I'm uh, no, but it was great, uh, great fun. So awesome. Definitely. Well, I'll, uh, I'll I'll let you know when the episode is out. And until then, I guess you know, happy holidays and, and all that good stuff. And uh, thank you. You too. You too. I hope you are not overworking during Christmas. No, no, no. Actually, I'm traveling. So today I'm recording five videos to record in the uh, to put out in the next five days. So <laughs> ah, that's that's great. Ah, you're putting out every day, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> every day. I was doing I was doing this for leeches, and these candidates videos. So I had to do a recap of every round. Mm -hmm. Too many days in a row for me and like it was seven no only one rest day i think uh, it was uh, <laughs> i know <laughs> i mean i was collapsing by then <laughs> I, I used it had to, to be like 20 minutes long and oof. i yeah i i used to record two a day because that when i was like really pushing during queen's gambit i was doing two a day and that that was that was tough but i mean you know i, w I wouldn't trade it for for anything otherwise i would still uh, be sitting probably in the... might be easier for you than finding some new interesting move orders in the Italian for five hours. Yeah. Which for me, of course, is more of a pleasure than, than work. Well, my my profession used to be convincing six-year-olds to, to, to do their made-in-one tactics. So this yeah. is better. This is at least a little bit better than that. So <laughs> that sounds good. That's good. Anyway, uh, really appreciate your time. So uh, Yeah, thank you. No problem at all. It was a great pleasure. As always, folks, if you've made it this far in the episode, I want to thank you sincerely for keeping up with the uh, Gotham City podcast. And you know where to find me if you'd like to support me. There are donation links uh, on my Twitch and YouTube pages. And obviously, I have courses for sale on my website. Till next time, I will see you right back here in Gotham City with our next guest.